ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಘುನತ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ So welcome everyone. Uh, quick uh, summary from uh, last uh, uh, satsang that we did. Um, I know that we spent quite quite some time talking about some shlokas but the way that i'm going to summarize them um is to probably you know look at those shlokas and uh, quickly give the english summary of what's been written in this particular book okay so uh, we start off by saying that uh, people even the wise people are deluded as to what is action and what is inaction and uh, then bhagwan goes on to start explaining what is action and what is inaction and uh, then he talks about the prescribed action and then prohibited actions then there is this nice table that summarizes what is uh, nitya karma and naimitika karma and what is nishidha karma and then uh, it kind of you know, categorizes what you can and what you can't do uh, then he goes on to say that uh, you know even where there is an action people who see inaction in that and even when there is inaction people who see action in that he says that those people are the wise wisest and uh, uh he says that those people are the ones who are poised and they can perform all those actions that's uh, another statement that he bhagwan makes and uh, then he he says that uh, this is a very important shloka that the, that that we talked about yasya sarve samarambha kama sankalpa varjita gnanagni dagda karmanam tamahuv panditam budaha he says that who he whose actions are all free from hankering for desires whose actions have been burnt by the fire of knowledge him the wise call a sage that's a that's another interesting thing and then also uh, you know renouncing the attachment for action and its fruit being ever contented and without any refuge he does not do anything even though he is engaged in action so basically at the end of the day bhagwan says renounce the attachment for action and also its fruit and be ever contented that's the most uh, important thing uh then it, it talks about uh, how one doesn't get affected um uh, you know by by doing any sort of action and he says that as long as you are bereft of the desire and controlled in the mind and the body you're just basically doing body work and it doesn't affect you as a person so i think uh, that's uh, that's 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 the kind of theme what we have been talking about and i think now about what bhagwan uh, goes on to talk about is to expand on on these on this very concept about action and inaction and trying to bring in the knowledge the self knowledge and how the self knowledge can be applied while we doing action in our lives so that's where we kind of you know stopped in the last uh, satsang 
And today we are talking from 24 to 27. So anyone can start. I just remember that you taught us this uh, before, during last CM, you know, this particular one. Uh, I think you spent some time with uh, all of us, you know, uh, to say before we start any, before we start uh, eating every time, right? So that's how I think we remember this. You're on mute. Yeah, the Brahmarpanam. Uh, shloka, right? And I, I remember this when I visited uh, the Ramakrishna Ashram here in Olema up north here. Uh, there is this nice retreat place. Uh, Mukud, this is a place that we've been planning to go with the next time when you come here on the weekend. Okay. So uh, there they chant this. And most of the Ramakrishna Mat, they chant this. And I was really, really amazed to find that, you know, that's a practice that goes on in all the Ramakrishna Mats which says that everything is Brahman and especially anyway, we end up eating three times in a day and, you know, uh, it's, it's a beautiful shloka to say so that, you know, you don't, you don't take anything for yourself. You just let everything go to Brahman. There's actually another shloka somewhere else. I forgot the chapter and verse, uh, Guntax. Uh, it goes like, Aham Vaishwanaro Bhutva Pranina Dehamashtaha. Pana, apana, samayutaha, pachamyanam, chaturvitam. So yeah. that is also another one which is uh, chanted before taking food. Correct. Correct. In fact, I have this regular practice of chanting both these shlokas, Brahmarpanam, Brahmavi, and Aham Vaishwana And then uh, I uh, take my. I, think I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this Brahmarpanam one. This is the first time I'm, yeah. I'm reading about Brahmarpanam being uh, chanted. Aham yeah. uh, uh, and there's one in uh, uh, Annapurna Stotram. Uh, there is one stanza, Annapurne Mahapur. So that is the other one that I normally chant. Okay. Puranamidam also, I think that's also. Some people say that. Right? Yeah. I think at the, at the face of it, this shloka will will sound pretty crazy because uh, you know it's 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 very difficult to understand. But uh, once you get the get through the chapter two, in terms of recognizing that there is another entity within ourselves called as Atman which is beyond the mind and body, then I think it gets a little bit more easier for us to understand. In fact, I think uh, I had just uh, last week, you know, we, I think last couple of weeks we've been discussions. I think Mahesh had a question on how do we act um, without desire, right? I mean, the whole essence of the how do we do nishkama karma, right? That's kind of the essence of it. From a practical point of view, um, just it is interesting, I was uh, chatting with my wife. I mean, they're brothers, right? I mean, they're all kind of also seekers. So um, there's another, I mean, the kind of, I'm just sharing an experience they share, right? So this may be a kind of, it was a thing for me also. 
so they were kind of going through the same discussion in their own family. And then uh, Ramana Maharishi's teaching, there's something called, in Tamil called, Settare Polatiri, which means that, you know, you walk like you're dead, right? Uh, that's kind of his preaching, right? Just one of the teachings he says is, uh, uh, you walk like, you act like you're dead, right? When when he's saying you, it's identity, right? So the, but, you know, let's say that Mukundan is dead. How will I, how will I act and how will I live life, right? Uh, so apparently they started to practice that just as a as a kind of exploratory idea. Okay, if I die, so keep remind remembering oh I died, right? Somebody comes and pokes at you, uh, and you know you, you say oh I died. Why am I going to react? So basically, their experience was you know they, they, the the he runs a business and uh, a medical shop, right? And then um, so when somebody comes, sometimes your customers come and irritate and all that. So he said uh, during that day or two days when he was just Seeing this, this you know, I'm going, I'm dead. First thing, all of remember, I'm dead. So customers will come and jump at him. He will say, "Oh, I'm, I dead. Why should I react?" Right? And then he'll just do, do what needs to be done. Right? Not reacting any emotions or identity into it. Uh, it was very powerful sharing. When, he, in fact, when he shared it, I was, we were reading these two chapters last couple of weeks. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of share that. Right? A technique, a very practical technique uh, that he, they applied that could kind of get to this nishkama karma mindset uh, you know drop the identity and act like i don't exist right which means truly you're acting for the sake of acting uh, that is that thought was a good click so just wanted to share it that's nice muku yeah, i think nochur mentions it in his satsang quite a bit satare polatiri and a couple of satsangs have listened to him say that. I'm, I'm currently reading that collected works of uh, Sri Ramana Maharshi book. And uh, it's amazing. Huh? How much is condensed into that? You're frozen, right? I think on the one more question, or maybe more of a question, uh, reactions, right? The action, inaction, inaction, action. Just wanted to, you know, see different perspectives on that, right? Uh, the one sloka that we kind of touched last week, but I just wanted to get groups thinking or any perspective on that sloka specifically. Action and inaction and inaction and action. the way I understood all this uh, Moko, it makes sense only when you uh, detach or when you see the body and the ego um, combination as separate from the self right then any action performed by the body uh, you are and uh, yeah, that's how that's how I kind of understood. But it's very profound when you say uh, that you see inaction, inaction. Okay, but action in inaction, I don't know what that would mean then, right? Uh, because uh, yeah, when there's no action, how do you see action? In that I, I I do not know that. 
Muku, actually, can you repeat uh, your question? My my screen was frozen, so I completely missed the question or no, the just, comment. Yeah, the thing is, the, the shloka on action and inaction, inaction, hmm. action. I just wanted perspectives on it, right? Like, how we how we're interpreting that that, okay. that specific shloka. Yeah. Chitra. Yeah, I was thinking about the last time we were talking about uh, when we do something and we forget ourselves when we are doing, you know, and we are so immersed in the action that we, um, at that point, I think we kind of dropped our identity or our ego because we are so, I mean, we don't even remember time passing by. That means the ego is uh, absent or the mind is still um I'm assuming that is uh, inaction in action because only when you come out of it, you say, oh, I did so much work. But while you're in it, you don't, the, the I is missing. So um, maybe that could be inaction in action. And action in inaction, I think is, I think we do it all the time, I suppose. <laughs> I'm sitting quietly, but my brain is thinking a lot. So that means... I'm assuming this is physical action. So at least that's how I interpreted is like, I could be sitting, but then my brain could be or planning or you know, even meditating. I suppose that's the action and inaction. The physical body is quiet, but the mental body is working. Yeah, I think that's a good way. Because you're still, I think in that shloka he says thoughts are also action. I think that's correct. That's helpful. What I really liked about this set of things is the number of different yagyas um, the Gita is expounding. I mean, it's like it's just so amazing that um, almost, I mean, of course, you know. Parampurusha or Brahman knows he's the one who's created. So obviously he knows there are so many different kinds of people and they need so many different kinds of ways to do um, the right kind of action or right kind of karma. It's uh, it's amazing. You know, one after the other, he comes, okay, this, if you can't do this, then do this. If you can't do this, then do this or this, 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 you know. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I think it still goes on after that. Also, there are some more coming, if I'm not mistaken. So I really liked that part. It somehow brought uh, brought everything together, at least for me, uh, seeing that, you know, that there does not have to be any one right action. I think all of us can pick what works for us. And uh, it is still the right action. I, I totally agree that I think uh, no man left behind type of message almost. Yeah. Right? No human being left behind. I mean, anywhere you can you'll fit into one of the things. Is that how I feel? Yeah, uh, that was really very, very nice. Uh, almost like all in encompassing. So, yeah. In fact, um, uh, that's a good... When I was reading those slokas, I was reminding of, you know, there is um, Karma Kanda, Jnana Bhakti Kanda, Bhakti Kanda, and Jnana Kanda, right? If you look at the, the flow of, uh, I think one of the later uh, slokas, where Krishna talks, Bhagavan talks about how one is deeper than the other, the one is deeper than the other, and the mm -hmm. knowledge 
kind of events. I think I think both that structure and the Veda structure, uh, you know, Karma Kanda, Bhakti Kanda, Upasana Kanda, and Jnana Kanda, they are kind of very similar in terms of construct. When when Bhagwan says one is deeper than the other, it exactly goes from Karma to Upasana to Jnana. Uh, the journey is exactly that. It is very, very, very similar to the way the way the journey outlined for a seeker. I felt that was that was also very interesting correlation. Uh, just as a follow up to Chitra's question, so the order of the yagnas, you know, as specified in these shlokas, you know, is that the hierarchy? Uh, you know, in terms of like Deva Yagna and then Brahma Yagna and the I mean, whatever order is that specified is is or 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 the order doesn't really matter. I I didn't think of it as an order at all. Or maybe uh, I felt um, as you're going in your journey, something will appeal to you more at one time, and then some things will appeal to you more at another time. So I don't think that I I feel like uh, we we'll, we like to put things. Uh, we like to have order. I think in our life, we like to have order. So we like to say first, second, third, fourth. Um, maybe because it gives us a sense of, uh, uh, you know, like I'm in control kinds. I could be wrong, but I, I didn't feel there has to be an order. I think he was just saying these are the different things. Eventually, the goal, you will all reach the same goal. You can take whichever, because um, we are saying that one is, than the other or one is, uh, um, is the, uh, that's the feeling I got but I don't know yeah I, I don't think I also got the sense it's sequential you could be doing it together uh, but yeah it's not sequential like one you need to go to step two after one step three I think they're just um, like the eight limbs of yoga right they're, they can all be happening parallelly so I think it's just, a, for me, it said, yeah, I agree. I think it, for me, it was like a broad framework. It didn't necessarily mean that you couldn't go to the next, to the next level or the next step unless you've completed or had a thorough um, exposure to the first, to each level. And uh, more because I think it is about which stage in your life you're accessing all of this. Or so you know what you would relate best to at different times in your life. And I think it's with the hope that you'll be the best judge or you have somebody who can guide you in, you know, where to jump on. I actually understood as, you know, as a reverse order, actually. I mean, the, 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 the first one, Devayagyam is the highest level. I mean, if you can't do that, then do next. Or if you can do that, some people may do this and so on. So uh, not in the order of one to uh, eight, one to seven or whatever it is, but it is seven to one. I mean, I, I may be completely wrong. I just wanted to clarify this. Uh, I think that that way, yes, the first one is where all of them should cul culminate. So the Brahmarpanam Brahmahavi, that is the, that's the ultimate one. So that mm. is the, the ultimate one that um, but you don't have to necessarily do rest. I think Swami SPG counts them as 12. So two to two to 12 are preparatory. So you can do one or many and reach the first, but you eventually, yeah, you will reach the first. Okay. Uh, That's how he had interpreted. 
And what exactly do they mean when they say some people sacrifice hearing and other senses? Um, so I, I, I didn't quite understand what they mean by sacrificing senses. Is it restraining the senses or uh, uh, is it restraining them? Okay. I, I didn't quite uh, grasp what they meant by sacrificing the senses. It's Actually, both, I think. Yeah. Sorry. After you, after you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's it's not just restraining. It could also be whatever you are seeing. You offer that as the oblation. So if you are seeing any beautiful thing, thinking of that as the God. That is also a kind of yagya. So sacrifice means uh, you are offering that to God. It's also a sacrifice. So it could, it don't, it doesn't necessarily means that you abstain or refrain from doing it. But whatever you are seeing, hearing, touching, um, thinking of that as an offering to God is also, is what my understanding is about the sensory one. Yeah, to add on to, you know, what Alpana you were saying, Uday, to your question, actually, I would suggest we should go back and look at page five and page, page three of the general introduction in the book, what we are reading, right? So there is a, there's a diagram in that book, if you look at it, the diagram talks about, uh, uh, you know, the diagram A and diagram B basically talks about how the human uh, uh, human personality is structured in terms of, you know, the objective mind and the subjective mind and then uh, what uh, happens, what happens, where we get the inputs from and how does the mind react, what is the vasana and then, you know, it tells about how, where, from where from we act, act out our activities from, right? So, if you look at, if you look at, let's especially, let's say page five, if you look at it, the inputs come from the five sense organs and there is this uh, power within us, which is the power of hearing, power of touching, power of, uh, you know, seeing the forms and all that stuff. So when that thing comes in, then into, when that thing comes in as an input into our mind, okay, then you can have two types of activities. One is a selfish activity, which says, okay, I want this, I want to enjoy this and all that. The second thing is it can be like a selfless activity. So I think what uh, these yajnas are saying are basically uh, helping us to understand that, you know, if you are able to convert any of these uh, uh, inputs that's coming in from either from the sense objects or the very sense object itself, from becoming a selfish activity to a selfless activity, then you are actually doing an yajna. Okay, got it. Thanks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I also like uh, the way that yajna has been described in this. Uh, in this, right? Like, for example, yajna basically means that there is a fire and you put something in it and whatever that you put in it is burnt off, right? That's the, that's the way it is. So 
now in the same process you think about which is fire and which is which is what you what you're putting in okay let's say that there is a um, let's say that there is a beautiful mango outside okay now the mango is the one that you're going to put into something which is a fire what is a fire okay the fire could be your your sense of taste okay now you're saying i'm a, i'm putting that mango into this sense of taste so that the you know uh, the mango or the sense of taste the mango is no no longer there i'm eating the mango no doubt about it but i'm not enjoying it i mean i'm giving it giving it away to bhagwan so i'm eating it that's it that's brahmatma and and the next one next phase is like when the mango is not there but the thought of the mango is there and then you know you need then you either then you can either go and uh, look for a mango and in the hope of enjoying the particular mango or you can you can raise above that uh, thought of mango or thought of quote and quote enjoying the particular mango not necessarily the mango and that's the that's the ability for you to look at your intellect and say okay hey why am i doing this what am i doing this for and then you are offering that thought of the mango into the intellect to say that okay it it doesn't matter to me and and actually uh, you know i think uh, sagubhan alpana you were both saying right you know it's in a sequence i also felt it's an actually in a sequence in the reverse order and when i read this because sometimes it gets very hard to understand brahmarpanam brahmahavihi but then when you go through one step at a time it gets a little bit more easier Uh, what you explain now is little profound and i'm i'm still trying to understand what you mentioned because you know with this logic you know i can kind of convince anything i'm doing actually which is not i think which is not the intent of this shloka right yeah. i mean okay, the intent so is I, to I, change the bhav the intent is to change the intention that's it <laughs> and not to not to give up any activity or anything at all sakuba that's what i am understanding right any activity can be a yagna as long as you take mm-hmm. out you take out the desire and hopefulness from that activity right you don't uh, you don't wish for an outcome or um, you don't have a selfish motive behind it uh, but do it and then uh, Oh uh, yeah, treat it as an offering. That's that's the way I understood. They're not saying us to restrain ourselves from any kind of activity, so to say. Yeah, I, that's right, Sakubad. You know, I don't think this the this these things can can end up being misinterpreted. I don't think that uh, there's any re- restraint. What is restraint is like you know whether uh, in your mind when you're doing a particular activity. what is it that we are expecting out of the particular activity is it that the benefit to gakru for ourselves take the example of the mango or the sweet right you know that's a that's a very favorite example we have been thinking about that for quite some time uh, about the mangoes actually and when when you take the mango you know even if you say brahmarpanam brahmahavihi 
at that point of time, are you really enjoying the mango? And no problem. If you're enjoying the mango, that's fine. But the second mango that you go take, what's it for? Do you ask the question why? Or do you just say, I'm just tempted to eat the second one? That's the bhav we have to change. So even when you buy the mango, did you buy it because you like it and hence you're offering to God or you really, you like it. So hence you think that the God will also like it and hence you're offering. There's a very subtle difference in the two. <laughs> but it is that, oh, I like it. He must also be liking it, he or she. And hence I want so to we, buy the best. Yeah, we both are same, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Oh, that is that is four point two four. Then you don't need anything. <laughs> but uh, I think this only applies to um, karma, right? Not vikarma or the for forbidden actions. So we can't uh, uh, apply this and say I will do forbidden action and say oh I'm Brahman and I'm doing it right. I mean I'm assuming that's why it precedes uh, Brahmarpan. <laughs> Would you consider eating mango as a vikarma activity? Or... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, when the first mango you eat, it's probably karma. But the second one, it's bordering. Third one, it's definitely vikarma. Look <laughs> <laughs> the size of the mango also, no, Rajesh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Lots of parameters. <laughs> Because right now in Hyderabad, we are getting these huge Imam Pasans, really huge, like two people can eat. <laughs> so, I'm remembering Alpana's post today. Now I'm getting jealous. <laughs> yeah, I will freeze some and keep for you. <laughs> It's, it's okay to you know enjoy it also while eating. I mean, I know I know I have offered to the God and uh, you know, um, uh, but the process of eating is done by me, and I and uh, my you know organs of sense come into picture and I, I do enjoy it. So that's then remember that I am Vashwanaro Bhutva. It is uh, it is he who is sitting in our stomach who is digesting it. So he's only getting it. So it's Bhagwanji only getting it. So, 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 so that's <laughs> where, you know, I think, sorry for stretching this, but, you know, that's yeah. where, okay, so why, uh, you know, by extending the same logic, maybe, you know, the same uh, uh, Bhagwan sitting there is asking for the second mango. <laughs> I'm not asking. Yeah, so if you're not full, you can have the second one, in my opinion. <laughs> It is the Jataragni which is asking. <laughs> I'm not full yet. I, I think so. that's where I, that's where I, I kind of uh, think that you know but, with this, but, I don't want to I don't want to kind of justify all my actions. Of course, you know the Chitra's point that you know I mean we're not talking about any vikarma activity, so that's absolutely forbidden. That's okay. But mango is eating mango is definitely no, not. But how many you have? How many people are there at home? Are you you know trying to eat everything and not? Everybody is getting ah. a fair share, then it's fine. <laughs> Are you buying the whole shop to take it to your home, not leaving anything? And then you can say, yeah. oh, there is enough for everybody. Is that and right? And then the too? selfish and selfless Correct. thing come into picture, actually. Yeah, okay. Correct.
And also, I think uh, what happens is we are saying we are physically, I mean, right now it's all very intellect driven, right? Yeah. Uh, it is not, we are actually feeling it. Uh, it's not come to that stage. When you, I think when you will, then the difference would, we won't be asking. Because uh, right now we are trying to use our intellect to understand. And obviously, <laughs> you're not able to understand everything because even I get these doubts, right? Sometimes like, oh, then I can explain all my actions away saying, oh, Brahma is doing it. <laughs> so I think maybe with time as we keep doing and it becomes, uh, I think. If we I agree, feel, Chitra. If we reach that state, one bite will be enough to satiate the hunger yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> yes, then we won't have these questions, I think. <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb and making this statement. I don't think that there's any activity that is truly selfless. I on agree. a scale of 1 to 100%, either it is 100% selfish or maybe 0.000001% selfish. It's where you are on that scale determines how many mangoes you need. We are stuck on the mangoes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing them, Chitra. <laughs> yeah, and also the attitude, like whether, you know, if I if whether I have the mango with me or I don't have the mango with me, I mean, both, uh, am, I, am I in the same state of uh, yeah. uh, economist's mind? I think that's also matters actually. Like, you know, if I don't have the mango and I keep thinking about it or I, I kind of uh, do just somehow make it uh, happen, you know, so that I get the mango. I think that will be like, you know, you are either that 100% towards 100% of selfishness that you talked about. If I can have the same attitude, that if it is there, okay, let me enjoy it. If it's not there, that's also okay. Okay. But then if, if it is, if, uh, if we decide to, uh, you know, let's say buy some X, X boxes of mangoes um, from the shop and give it away to people with the intention that, you know, let them all enjoy. That's let's say that's the intention. I think that's still okay. Yeah. In that let's all enjoy, we can also be part of that. Let's all yeah. enjoy. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But, but Chitra, the moment you, you the the moment you said what you said, you you did we realize that you know then we are already you know yes. separating it out, separating yes. it out. yeah. And that's what I was saying. Then kind of a uh, you know mindset is there in that. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, once I had attended a, a retreat of uh, I think uh, this was uh, Sri Aurobindo's devotee. Uh, he was also a very keen follower of Vedanta. So uh, one of the exercises he told us to do was for um, two exercises, actually, he told us. Uh, he said, one is uh, you, we, we were in the Himalayas, beautiful, you know, scenery, lovely greenery, birds chirping. And he said, you look at the scenery, but don't label anything. So don't say the leaf is moving. Don't say the bird is chirping. Basically, don't label anything. That was the first exercise. And the second exercise he said was, don't say I, me, mine. Remove it from your dictionary. So I think it's something like that, right? I think maybe slowly, I, I don't um, 
So now uh, we we found a way about. So we say uh, we don't say I. We say we need it. <laughs> so it's it's at least a little expanded. It's not just I, but we. <laughs> but I think when the we encompasses everyone, then everything, living, non-living, then maybe you've reached that stage. Actually, that that's a very powerful way. It's like a two training wheels uh, when you're learning a bicycle to change from I to we. Very very good actually. In fact, I this uh, this I recall one of the early days from with my guru because um, again I I was in his ashram and he 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 has his very intense practices. So one one morning, I think we were on like in a week week long program or a meditation class with him. So he just put us on a meditation. The instructions were uh, when you sit in one place and when when like if you're thirsty, right? Uh, then you don't react to the thought. You just sit. Sit, sit. He says, if the body wants water, at one point the body will move, right? Not the mind will move the body. Uh, the body itself will move, and this is holds true for everything, right? One like restrooms, food, water, sleep. Um, and then he just gave the instruction, and then and then we said close the eyes, and he then he left. We thought he's going to come back, like you know, like somewhere he's gone to the temple or whatever. Then he went to Chennai, came back next morning, right? But it was a very, very intense experience, right? So if you really sit, 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 uh, 99% we are responding to the mind, right? The body doesn't really need that. Uh, and, and the body needs it to have the intelligence to find it. It, it was a very profound uh, kind of an experience. Very tough, right? Because we could, for us, that's with eyes closed, I couldn't do it those days. Uh, you know, just, just this was just like way of the league. But, you know, I, I recall just uh, from the Kaman Chitra made, uh, yeah, the body just just do don't respond to the thought. Just keep sitting, keep sitting, keep sitting, and then either it goes away, and when it really needs it, it it the body will do it. There's an uh, there's an energy from the body will will move the body automatically. That kind of how we felt it. But it was I mean it was almost he came back 24 hours later. That was that was pretty. We, we were hilarious. Like we didn't know how long it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, most of his sessions are like these. They're pretty, pretty intense. Yeah, because we don't touch the zone because we always react very quickly to the thoughts and we satiate, satiate it. Right? Yeah. So one other connection that I made uh, when I was reading these shlokas with uh, this very famous uh, and wonderful. Uh, you know, Sukta, Purusha Sukta. You know, there, uh, the entire Purusha Sukta structure is described as if it's a complete yajna, okay? And the way it describes the yajna is that uh, it says that the Brahman offered itself into the fire, which the devas lit, and then they created this world. That's how it's poetically expressed. And basically, in that, uh, it talks about uh, two things coming in, okay? It says that the, the, the sacrificial fire was built based on, you know, seven elements, the, the five elements, the Panchabhuta and two more things. I'm not discussing all the things, but it says that that sacrificial fire is built with that. And within that, uh, 21 elements are offered into it. And 21 elements are basically, you know, you, you look at it, you know, the the uh, Sukshma Sharira plus your uh, uh, Buddhi Ankara, if you count all those things, it will come to around 21 uh, number. So the, the, the way that, that Purusha Sukta is structured is that, you take in 
the consciousness element. I mean, this is how I interpret it, right? You take the consciousness element and you put in the rest of the anatma into it, and then it creates a yajna, and then out of the yajna comes all the living beings. It's a very beautiful shloka, actually, shukta actually. And and the the key point is uh, the Brahman does it without any any selfish interest. That's how it's expressed in that particular sutta. And of course, it's poetic, so uh, you know, not that Brahman is doing it, but somebody has written in a poetic way. Should be like a charity of knowledge, right? So, uh, I think when when one of the yagyas is. Uh, Donate charity. They talk about not just physical charity, but charity of feeling and charity of knowledge. So this is a sharing of knowledge in a poetic way, so others can be inspired. <laughs> and also, also I think uh, I, I don't I don't recall where I read this. Uh, Chitra, going back to your example about looking at nature, right? Actually, uh, I I don't remember where I read this. I, I probably should uh, find it. If, if they says that you know, if if you really look at uh, look at how nature is, nature does uh, every element of nature is actually doing things for others. You take for example the sun, right? The sun is not burning for itself; it's burning and doing something else. And then they take plants. The plants do, you know, they grow, which is their own nature. For what? It's for somebody else. And somebody else taking that inputs, they do something, you know, the animals, you take that. They just live their life and they keep on, you know, following through, living for others in the, in the, in the entire, the, why does rain, rainfall? You know, there's nothing... The nature is just not, it's, 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 it's kind of a cyclical thing that it keeps doing it for the others. It's only when it comes to humans that we have this option of doing it for others as well as doing it for quote-unquote the ego. True. I think but that's, that's also a learned behavior, isn't it? It is a learned behavior. That's that's what is, uh, we know, unfortunately not accepted in our uh, quote-unquote science, but uh, that's what it describes as vasanas, right? We, we're compelled to do it by our own nature because, you know, the millions of births that we have taken. and Yes, of course. But it's also something that is honed by our um, time as a human. And society and everything around us, right? That is, if you, uh, I mean, yes, answer is right. But then, if you assume that uh, uh, there are many births that we've taken, then probably it's not just this particular society, but you know, the millions of things, millions of births that we yeah. have taken in the past. Yeah, all, yeah. All that have also created a deep groove within us, which we are trying to, you know repurpose right now or rechannelize it and that's what you hope that as you live your life at some point you will be able to acknowledge it and then rechannelize and repurpose the remaining time to um, what's the word to to escape the escape the yeah. escape into the yeah. 
Correct. Absolutely. But I think that's the choice, that ability for us to make the decision is what makes us uh, unique in this entire, yes. in this entire uh, cre creation. So that's what science calls nature versus nurture. And it's a bit of both as you go through life, isn't it? And I think nurture is also uh, determined by you. Take birth in a certain family. It's whatever you want to experience in this particular life. Um, yeah. That you choose this particular family or whatever, or that particular place. Or so. Yeah, and I, it's it's also a cycle, right? So I think. Human came nature and then nature, out of nature came human and then from human back to Brahman. So, I think. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the where, where the discussion is going, it seems to me that we should not be bothered about, we should not, bothered is a wrong word, we should not be worried about anybody, including ourselves. <laughs> I think so. He'll take care of us. <laughs> He's slashing. <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> when the tooth aches or that body aches, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Let me go find what can I do? <laughs> Which medicine will take care of it? <laughs> I think if we go back to, you know, what Muku's initial comment was about the um, action in an action. Another example which uh, Swami SVG always gives is uh, when you're in a boat in a river and the boat is going very fast on the uh, river bank, you see the trees and they are moving. They appear to be moving. So that's action in, in action because they're actually not moving, but they're just appearing to be moving. So that's actually a very profound example of how everything appears here in this universe to be happening, but nothing is happening. Mm, yeah, so that's a good one. Yeah, good yeah, one. So yeah. That's, that's action in an action. So one who can see that there is actually an action in this, all the action that we see is the one who truly sees. I think because we are, we are um, we're constantly separating ourselves. We're not able to see that, right? Obviously, that's why we feel what we are seeing is real. And we find it very difficult to comprehend uh, because uh, to see the action and inaction, you have to really step out of the action, right? And the inaction. I mean, you have to really be a witnessing person. Yeah, one way is either you separate out or you see everything within you. Ah, yeah, true. So... I think that's, I find that easier, that we are the awareness in which everything is happening mm. or in which everything is appear to be happening. Right? 
but the awareness doesn't awareness is uh, more like space which doesn't get affected impacted at all by whatever happens mm. but space is needed for it to happen so that's what the awareness is in which anything can happen otherwise it cannot the moment our awareness shuts down we, we are not aware of anything when we go from waking to dream state the waking awareness shuts down so we are not aware of anything around us so awareness gives life to whatever is happening yeah and that awareness is one in which everything is happening yes yes so my awareness and your awareness is same and that is why we are sharing it the the experience so it's the same awareness in which everything is happening so yeah that's, that's profound nice thank you like it reminds me of uh, one of the zen <coughs> Uh, sto- I mean, his stories, right? Zen, Zen monks always tell their stories. Uh, I, I heard it from my guru many years back. So there's a, one day, Zen monk is like waking up and crying. The master is crying and all the disciples are like, what's going on, right? Why is he crying? Then he says, last night I dreamt um, that I was a butterfly. I became a butterfly. He says, now I don't know whether uh, I am the Zen monk dreaming to become a butterfly or i am the butterfly now dreaming to be a zen monk here right i mean this is he's just kind of showing his disciples the this nature of reality right i mean this is one of the examples he's heard from a master many years back so just just this is not an answer but something to contemplate on right i think along what you're saying alpana is yeah. my song reminds me of that zen story so So he was saying whether I'm the Zen monk dreaming or whether I'm the butterfly dreaming to be a Zen monk. So he says the reality is very flimsy there. Yeah. Now I know all the marvels get there. So I know. It's a good story. Yeah. There's another story where, you know, there's a disciple who goes to the master and says, please teach me, you know, what is the reality? And he makes the disciple work and like that, you know, days, weeks pass by. One day the disciple gets very, very upset that you have to tell me what the reality is. Otherwise, I will leave. He said, okay, tomorrow morning come and I will show you. So next day morning, the disciple comes and the master is holding on to a tree. And he says, save me, save me. this tree is not letting me go it's holding on to me so the disciple says master master just let it go <laughs> the master says precisely no <laughs> 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 i think the stories are very powerful you know uh, yeah. just... for contemplation definitely yeah <laughs> yeah you know and you go in a loop when you try to think about it and <laughs> like what you were saying about the butterfly and the monk right you go in a loop which one is which one started first 
this dream example is very very powerful so now is this reality when we are yeah. talking <laughs> not <laughs> yes ye sach ya wo sach na ye sach na wo sach sirf tu hi sach i think that's the uh, chitra your question is the right question right? because you know contemplating on that only we will we will realize that everything is okay chalta hai but it it takes uh, it is um, like sometimes you feel oh yeah you know what's the big deal yes everything is brahman i can do it you know and then you can just be assured that there's something come then you know when as they say the rubber hits the road right <laughs> and then that's when it all goes flying and then you have to really catch yourself and really bring it back and i suppose that's the journey and maybe that's how we grow and because that i doesn't go no everything is brahman but we still keep i as separate absolutely i mean i am eating eating <laughs> no this I... body is eating this body is doing as as any other body around <laughs> yeah yeah that that i is the last one to go <laughs> so rajesh sorry go ahead i was thinking about rajesh keeps saying uh, fake it till you make it <laughs> so <laughs> you do okay you can change it to faith it till you make it you make yes true true very true very important because without that it will not work because we can't group okay <laughs> go go ahead go ahead chitra complete that sorry <laughs> go ahead no no what i was saying i just actually i was reacting to your just the, the statement you just made and also the mango discussion right this started earlier i think i'm just more contemplating on on i think when we do the samarpan right the question is i mean uh, what is the right attitude there uh i'm just i think when we when we get the mango and eat the mango we can do samarpan that's going to be easy right but i think the samarpan gets tested or, or the yagna right the attitude of yagna gets tested when you want the mango and you you for some reason cannot get a mango also right because there's going to be a situations where cuz the thought comes like rajesh now is like you know dreaming of mangoes but he can't get it right i, I think ability to offer that also to the divine saying hey it's your decision today and, and i'm i'm not going to get mango i'm okay with it i think that's possibly one a deeper aspect of that samarpan uh right so i think i, feel, I think a lot of times we do one well better than the other right i think when we when we eat mango we can it's easier for us to say samarpan but i think when we don't get it we we suffer right the samarpan doesn't jump on us that time so i think if you can do authentically on both times i think you can eat as many mangoes as you want just you know i think the attitude of being authentic with the surrender is more important than the action itself that's that's somehow i am kind of seem to be gravitating to that just on the best uh, contemplating on what we just been discussing last you know about uh, 40 minutes or so i think ability to do that surrender authentically on any way i think that is more important than what you really eat or not eat 
Actually, there's a third option as well. If you can just think that somebody in this world is able to eat the mango, and that is me who's eating it, mm. and it does, you can do it, and that's a very very powerful one. Then you don't desire anything because you are through some body you're experiencing mm. it somewhere, Vishwan, and Vishwan and you can concept. you can actually feel it, and then the desires just melt away because someone yes. is getting it. So Very somebody good. in India is definitely getting mangoes. <laughs> we are experiencing <laughs> it through that. <laughs> That's very nice. I, I like this discussion. But for this birth, I probably will uh, wait for the frozen mangoes Chitra is going to give me. <laughs> <laughs> now, for now, what she is eating, yes, you are eating it. <laughs> Try to feel the taste of it. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Chitra, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of all of us. <laughs> So. But Chitra, you should also have the same attitude. When you're eating it, you're giving it to all of us. Please remember that. You can have at least how many of us are there? Those many mangoes you can have. Everyone is eating. It's not me who's eating, but everyone is eating. Yes, actually, it works. Try it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like this discussion. The last part, what Muku and Alpana, what both, both of you are lovely, wonderful, good learning. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Uh, thanks, uh, Muku and Alpana. That that part of discussion just makes it, you know, come the whole circle together. You know, uh, from chapter uh, in you know Shloka eighteen to twenty four, it's amazing. Like how you have you see the non action in every action and action and non action, and then come and look at Brahmarpanam. You know, Brahmam is the is the is the only thing that we look for in everything. Whether somebody's eating the mango or I'm eating the mango for others, you know, it's it's beautiful. One joke: uh, this shloka twenty-five, right? Uh, which uh, which says that you know some yogis perform sacrifice to devas alone, while others sacrifice as sacrifice by the self in the fire of Brahman. Uh, uh, you know, Swami Swami Ji says this. You know, when uh, when people. Go to a go to a temple or do puja. They have different uh, pictures of various gods and goddesses, right? So they will they will do they will take some flower and offer it to one god. And let's say there's one or two flower less for one or two photographs. Then they'll worry whether that that particular god for which you're not offered the flower, whether they will give us any sharp or anything like that or things like that, right? So he says, you know, all those things at the initial stages will uh, probably seem very ridiculous, but uh, you know. After some time, you really understand that you, even if you don't put a flower to a particular picture of a god, or you know, don't show agarbatti or whatever, it really doesn't matter. But then people go through that fears. He says that in a very joke, jokingly. He says everything goes finally to him. Is that? Uh... That brings me to another incident, right? So, like in in the Hindu tradition, you offer to deities, right? Offer food to deities, right? It's at home, at temples. They always offer the nevadiyam. So, in fact, many years back, there was a temple. They my guru started in LA, right? So he was teaching us how to do this, you know, how to offer nevadiyam and all. Then the question came up: if the god is is Brahma, is everything? He's creating everything. Why do you? What is a what is the necessity to offer? What is the right? I mean, he's giving it, 
it's like you know you take money from me and giving money money back to me right so what's what's a big deal so we had this question came up and we asked him that question so very beautifully the bawa he explained so it's like he said let's say you are you have a small kid 3 4 years old and uh, he wants cookies right and you give the cookies to him right because uh, you you bought the cookies you have the you have the power to give the cookies so you have to you give the give the cookie to your kid the kid takes it right and then he takes a bite and gives half back to you right and this is exactly the bhava of the nivedya right uh, the nivedya means to be done with that bhava so the gratitude for him given you given you the food is what you need to share it with the divine so that is the the mood with which you need to do the nivedya nothing less nothing more you know I, it was just it just struck us all that time like wow i mean this this is this is the sacredness of the relationship you know with the deities so just you know the food example is one share that and they do partake from the sukshma and it's not that the subtle thing is just in abundance so even mm. from a little thing you can feed the whole subtle world <laughs> it doesn't need to be for each one to be given they do take mm-hmm. they do partake the subtle element from it so yeah and also if you look at it as energy or something i mean if you don't in, in terms of science um when you do a uh, we call this prasad right basically it's the energy of all the people who are taking part in it right and all of them have a have a have the same goal that we are going to go back or you know we are um, you know we are calling you bhagwan or you know we are wanting to come back to you so i think all that energy then concentrates and then when you so it's easier that's why they say satsang right it's also something similar to that so i think naivedyam is also similar is the energy of everyone goes in there and then when uh, you take that prasad then that energy comes into you for you to um, go forward in your journey um, it gives you more positive energy to go forward so i think in that sense also it's very important actually science we don't understand the subtle world right so the subtle energies are more powerful than the the yeah you what you're saying is the energy of the people around but it is the subtle energy of the subtle elements which we can't even see and they play a big role when i when i meant energy i also meant the energy that we can't see and the energy that so obviously yeah. energy that's so that's i'm just trying to make it into something which yeah so not just the energy that i'm not talking about uh, so even when you're talking about mental energy it's subtle right when i go um say i go meet someone sometimes i feel like i want to become their good become a friend sometimes i just feel like okay i need to so with correct yeah 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 but that's um, more more at thought level so thought is more materialistic than even the subtle energy right thoughts are also materials um i think the subtle energy is even subtler than that but but yeah i think at some point yes science will discover these subtle energies but at the moment you know we don't have instruments to to measure them or tap into them 
and that's yeah. why there is so much of uh, you know that's why we don't believe in heaven and dts etc from the science perspective no even from a science perspective we say energy but we really don't know what it is right we just yeah. given it a, but we don't know what it is yeah true 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 gravitational force yeah <laughs> electrical force oh god <laughs> frictional force yeah <laughs> when you said yeah, no, i was about i was about to say actually gravitational force is closest to the subtle energy we can think of because the rest of them still include like light has photons and the other things have but gravitational force has nothing so that's probably the closest to subtle energy that that we can think of yeah i think my biggest aha moment is that shows i think this discussion reflects why my my grades from bits on all these topics <laughs> now i feel better <laughs> i thought i did not understand the subject <laughs> so, don't let all the secrets out you and i did not understand okay no no now now we also know one more tool we can offer this grades also to bhagwan <laughs> we have many tools of the trade now <laughs> we are talking to a lot of people around here who know how we have studied some who think of karmanya vadikaraste now and bits <laughs> was only to get the grades <laughs> i know <laughs> also to make good friends absolutely yeah 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 that's that's another one you know what connection is keeping us together that's that's in my view is the subtle energy yes yeah so the shloka 27 basically talks about uh, nana yoga right ஸ்ரவணமனன் you know do sacrifices with the, all the vital senses so that you prevent the mind from getting attached to these functions of this this vital senses and that's when you can come to um to, like how alpana said about the the uh, subtle energy or sublime energy um and then go into the self of knowing that everything is brahman i thought it's controlling the the mind of being getting attached to such senses and that's that's the you know um ahuti that uh, you practice 
So further, when, when you practice that, then you, you really know the self. That's how I see it. Okay, makes sense. And I, I think to do that offering is what you're saying, Rajesh. We need to do Shravanan, Mananan, and Nidhidhyasana. I, 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 I kind of, you know, when I read it, uh, the way that I understood it is that unless and until we, you know, we really go through that vichara, the, the Shravanan, Mananan, and Nidhidhyasana, it's difficult to uh, change the perspective because then we don't have a we don't have a anchor to change what what we already have, right? So yeah. that's how I read it. But maybe you know, maybe I should reread it. The the anchor, um, Rajesh, is is that everything is Brahman. Like how how Alpana said the the thought of, but not going to you know I don't have to do any action. But even that non action is the self, right? Observing all the actions. Right. So that thought needs to be there. Every time, which I know is difficult, but this shloka is the premises of that knowledge that you already have, um, you know, to further go into the 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 um, final destination or goal. <laughs> so that that's how I see it. But you you are right. You you have to have that information or the knowledge that Brahman is the the ultimate thing. He, you know. So is it, is it is it is it more that you know the uh, the once we have the quote unquote theoretical knowledge, then you're trying to realign your entire life uh, to practice the theoretical knowledge, and is is that what we're trying to do? Yeah, I thought so. It was more of that yoga, uh, uh, Patanjali yoga one. So more from having that knowledge then whatever you get from the uh, indriyas, the inputs that you get from that, or from the pran, you actually control them in the samadhi state. But that's not really enlightenment, but very close to it. But you need to have that underlying knowledge a little bit to do that. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Samadhi shlokas are very uh, profound. You've got to read it multiple times to really understand it. Yeah, these set of shlokas, I thought they were very profound. Yeah, agree. And every time you read it, you get a new meaning. Yeah, and the mango discussion was really good. <laughs> want to get back to the mangoes. Vidya, you, you, you know, you should not remind mangoes now. <laughs> Rajesh, I have two mangoes to, at home. Maybe I'll eat it thinking that you're eating. <laughs> I forgot about those mangoes <laughs> that they're existing in my house. There you go. Now you see mangoes from Chitra, mangoes from Vidya. I think overdose or I You go to Indian Please. store, I'm sure Rajesh, you will find mangoes <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Task for today for you. <laughs> I am going to the Indian store today. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, get Amul mango ice cream, the Alfanso one. It is pretty close to mango. <laughs>
that'll be double dip you know mangoes and ice cream correct <laughs> actually one of the one of the earliest shlokas uh, in a few minutes so um, around you know when uh, when uh, krishna says i told this to sun god first i think the beginning of this chapter uh, what is interesting was you know the way um, arjuna responded to that right uh i think that's that's the kind of the ex- i think to me that was a very profound way to think about god right a lot of times we look at logic and we start challenging god when uh, just because when krishna says i told this i taught this first to uh, sun god and so on and so forth and then arjuna says uh, you know uh, the, the response is very beautiful he says I, i don't understand how because you and i are born together maybe i'm missing something right so the whole approach is maybe i'm missing something can you clarify and you know versus you know a lot of us tend to think uh, how is it possible science doesn't how can krishna have lived i think the whole uh, kutarka vitarka attitude right uh, came beautifully in the sloka i really loved that sloka for that you know that having the openness to learn and absorb as a possibility versus kutarka you know a lot of times is you know you You, you already come to a conclusion and then you are saying are bro kya what are you talking like you are bullshitting me right uh, i mean he could arjuna could respond at that way too right but i think that's what i think the relationship between arjuna and krishna is that beautiful that arjuna felt that you know he he didn't need feel the need to challenge him right mm-hmm. and he just said maybe i'm missing something can explain to that to me why i think that was a very i felt it was a very beautiful that showed the lot of the relationship they between them they had yeah. uh I, i just loved that uh, shloka so because that's to me that's an essence of a guru shishya relationship right uh, guru sometimes will tell you very abstract impossibilities that seem the mind will never grasp but the minute you conclude it is impossible then you're you're missing out on the possibility at least that is just uh, was that you know i, I just loved that the way they related there Absolutely Muku and that's what faith is about. Actually this is what the meaning of faith is. That uh you're not questioning the teacher, you're questioning your understanding that I may not have understood it or what is I'm missing. So mm. so but I I firmly believe what you're saying is right. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh. also um, it's it's a matter because uh, i think i'm just thinking like uh, you know like uh, when the children are young you know they believe everything their parents say because i think there's a lot of love there right um i think that is also very high between a guru and a shishya yeah uh, so i think that love kind of uh, transcends everything else uh, you don't need a uh, you don't need an explanation for everything so yeah and and yet you are free to question in a in a nice way not really challenge them as muku was saying right not challenging them but yes i don't get it can you explain again or you know elaborate yeah. on it or things like that yeah yeah sometimes everywhere question arjun asks the question it, he has that undertone of you know i i am missing something <laughs> i am deluded yeah that's the humility right yeah i might not that i know everything and how can you yeah. speak yeah <laughs> i think this reminds us uh, anju anupma and i went to a devi temple 
and there was a panditji who's been serving there for 30 years mm -hmm. and uh, we we were sitting below a tree and it was so cool there even the you know the ground was very very cool it was cooling and just outside that tree it was very <coughs> hot that day and we were trying to think in yahan iske niche se pani ja raha hoga because of which it is cooling and this and that and we asked the pandit ji how is it so cool here she said devi ki kripa hai <laughs> to everything he had only one answer <laughs> devi ki <Yes>. kripa hai <laughs> and we were trying to put all our scientific knowledge behind it <laughs> so Science, which has no clue of the subtle energies. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I think you know this. This whole trip, it was about the faith and conviction, and you know, just believing in it, and the surrender people have. It's just amazing. Actually, if you if you look at it, you know, uh, I I disagree to. some of the probably we're deviating from the topic but since you got only 2 minutes just taking the liberty so uh, i disagree when sign when when people who follow science they say that they don't have faith i disagree to that statement because you know when someone says you know i am going to go read about let's say particular subject okay and why because you know some x body of knowledge has been done in that particular day uh, which which has a hypothesis about a particular concept be it how plants grow or be it how you know electrical energy comes out or whatever i think the 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 statement that they make that i want to go read it and understand it they already have a faith in the particular thing only then they going to go and study in that and maybe they don't express that yeah absolutely you're right because <clears throat> you know science is another religion right if you really look at it it's a big hypothesis uh, right for many parts observable hypothesis like repeatable observable hypothesis that's no faith is there absolutely even we go to a shopkeeper and we ask for something he gives us the things first before we pay with faith that we will pay right mm. the faith is there underlying everywhere Everything. every little thing yes otherwise nothing will work otherwise they'll say okay <laughs> who gives first right <laughs> we only have faith that we do things i, th I yeah. think i think the biggest faith is the bread that goes and comes out right which yeah? is taken for granted <laughs> Yeah. I, I think in the case of science, Rajesh, because a majority of um, the people, when majority of majority of the humans go through school, right, and at that time, uh, children believe what they are told by the adults, right. So I think that kind of forms that thing that science is the truth. and then it takes a lot of time for you to say that there could be other truth too and you know that's not the only truth i think that's what happens in most like i don't know about you but my children keep asking me this what's true how do you know it's true and then i ask them how do you know your science is true <laughs> i mean uh, sometimes uh, uh, children forget that we also quote and quote studied of course they don't know the gps but uh, we also studied science <laughs> if they know the gps then that's a bigger problem <laughs> hey rajesh you should not be saying that you know i still remember i tell my children also this 
uh, what was this mod modern modfi uh, uh, that subject only person who knew something about that was him chitra i, so, I do not know why but i could understand the concept that clouding is cat can be in two places at two at the same time i could understand that very clearly rest <laughs> of the things was all you know hava i just did not know what was happening I still remember you that's as just that's why I tell my children there was only one person I knew who knew something about the subject all of us were just clueless <laughs> so actually that the topic of scrodinger's cat was very exciting for me i could i could really uh, you know make sense out of it i do not know how but <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the bhagavad gita you read from the last book <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh let's uh, conclude for the day and uh, uh you know i i've got to go for a um, big hike with a couple of bitsians and the non bitsians today so nice all right alpana you remember dakshin right com science oh yeah 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 dakshin is here and uh oh, nice. with a bunch of Gatachin is also my classmate from 11th and 12th. So, ah, bunch, okay. of us, bunch of us are meeting. Tina Murthy, no? Tina Murthy. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Let's uh, say a concluding prayer. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu ಕಚಿಭಾಗೇಗುರುಭ್ಯ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂಕ್ಸ್ ಎರಿ ಒನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಅಲ್ಪನ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಪ್ಲೀಸ್ ಸಜೆಸ್ಟ್ ದ ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಲೋಕಾಸ್ ಐ ತಿಂಕ್ ಟಿಲ್ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಟೂ ಓಕೆ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಎಂಜಾಯ್ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಬಾಯ್